Uh, our, our elders and our staff have been doing our very best to work on a re-entry plan. And I know several of you have received a survey over the last few days. Thank you so much for participating with that. Uh, now, if you did not receive our survey, uh, the survey was sent out on Facebook. It was sent out on our church-wide email. And it was uh, sent out on a push notification on our app, uh, which you can refer to today because I have notes there. Uh, if you did not get any of those, that means we have very little way of communicating with you. So please sign up for one of those so that we can uh, send you important updates and uh, but this is it's coming and then our plans are in process and thank you for being patient we are working and keep praying Um, we want to do this in as safe and as healthy a way as possible Uh, let's pray this morning and then we will begin Uh, Heavenly Father thank you for the day thank you for bringing us uh, again to another Sunday Uh, it's already May and it's just hard to believe time has flown Lord we miss one another so much We miss this time together where we're all um, with one another, and I pray that you would bring an end to this this virus soon. Lord, I pray that you would keep our numbers down of people who are are getting this, and and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, protect uh, those who have it already. Lord, uh, we trust you. We put all of our faith and our hope and our confidence in you, regardless of the situation. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for giving us the opportunity and the technology to be able to continue church in this new normal. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to say thank you to Elizabeth. Thank you for that. I don't really need to preach now because that was, that was perfect. Um, we are going through the I am statements of Jesus. We're hearing how Jesus describes himself from his very own words. And, uh, and, and so I am really trying to wrap my head around all of these different I am statements. But, but it's, it's been an interesting several weeks, you know, of study because it's not usually how I study. Now I'm at home, I'm up at the office, different places. And I know for some of you, it's been a very difficult week. For some, it's been a very busy week. You are, you're helping kids just like me with schoolwork. You're uh, taking care of house projects. Uh, you've got, you know, lots of things going on. And this week, um, we, I have more to deal with because we have two little dogs uh, they're very cute, very cute. Our little one got out this past week uh, straight through the gate, right? The gate was just wide open, and she, she got out. It was very early in the morning, and I was kind of making coffee, and then I, I see somebody at the front door, and she, fortunately, somebody was right there uh, walking with his wife, and they picked up this little dog, brought her to the door, rang the doorbell. I went out, and she says, do you know this dog? And I have to say, for a brief moment, I hesitated. She had no collar. You know, my daughter had just given her a bath. Technically, her boyfriend had just given her a bath. And um, not her. um, But she was right there, holding this dog and giving it to me. I took it. um, You know, gates, we're getting used to gates. You know, where we were, we had an electric fence. Don't be too judgy because my other dog has a very hard head. And she is very difficult, right? So we had an electric fence. And for her, it wasn't a matter of of whether or not she could. It's choice for her. Because what she, if she saw something that she wanted, she endured the pain and she just went straight through it. But the problem for her was getting back in. (laughs) And so with her, one of us would have to go and literally pick her up 
and carry her into the yard. Now, I've never been a shepherd, and that's probably the closest I'm ever going to get is to carrying a 25-pound dog looking up at me with those big brown eyes back into our, into our family. Um, and I want you to hold on to that idea for just a moment. We're going to be referring back to that a little later. But we're listening to the words of Jesus today, and specifically Jesus says, I am the gate. And we'll unpack that. But we're going to be in two places today. We're going to be in John chapter 5 and John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where he says his statement. But I'm going to tie in a story that I think has a lot to do with Jesus' I am statement of the day. So let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 5. Let me read the story. This is what it says. Some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, And learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So here we have another miraculous healing from Jesus. Now, when you get to a miracle or a sign in John, remember um, to stop for just a second. Stop, take a breath, and look around for a little bit. Don't rush right through these miraculous moments because you might see something you may have never seen before. Uh, In this passage, John mentions the sheep gate. And without going into too much detail, this particular gate was where you would come if you had sheep that you were bringing up to sacrifice in the temple. You would bring up the sheep through this gate and uh, right inside this gate was a pool a large pool with many steps surrounding it from several different sides, five different columns, um, pretty majestic, pretty uh, ornate, this place. Um, In Aramaic, what it says is that it's named Bethesda. Some of you may have Bethsaida, Uh, but in Hebrew, the actual name for this place is Beit Chesed. I don't know if you remember Beit Chesed. Do you remember the word chesed? Okay, you okay? Chesed uh, is, has several different meanings. Um, it's kind of hard to nail it down. It's, it's, it's kind of all-encompassing in a lot of different ways. God's steadfast love. It means um, unconditional love. Uh, but it also means mercy. It also can mean grace. And in this particular instance, um, Beit Chesed means house of God's grace or house of God's mercy. Now the story goes that at some point during this day, every day, the waters would start to bubble and to stir and to move a little bit. 
Uh, and uh, you may notice in verse 4, some of you may have a verse 4 in there. Uh, some others may just have a little 4 with a little asterisk by it. And that means that this particular verse was not in the original manuscripts. And, and so what you find is that a lot of verses that, that weren't in the original and the early manuscripts earliest manuscripts that they found they put into the into the footnotes they're still there uh, but but they weren't early um, and and those are in those original documents Um, but what happened in this particular instance is that legend goes that uh, at some point during the day an angel of the Lord would come and rest on the waters and the waters would start to stir and when that happened it was a mad dash to get in the water because if you were first you got healed that's, that's the story. That's the legend. If you were the very first person into the pool when the water started to stir, you got healed. This is a pool that had gained a big reputation. And the stories say that there were always a lot of people there. And if you read the text, it says blind, the several people there, blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Um, some people even say that there was like a line to get into this pool. So imagine having waited days to get up to the front, the water stir, and you have no one to help you get into the pool. So for 38 years, this man is completely on his own, it seems. He was alone. How old he is, we don't really know. Um, 38 in that day and age was getting up there. And when Jesus walks in through the sheep gate, he somehow singles this man out. And he asks him a very simple question. Do you want to get well? Now, how would you answer? I mean, I would say, of course I want to get well. But is that his response? No, it's not. His response is, well, sir, I have no one to help me. I mean, think about it. He'd been in this spot for 38 years. Now, if you're into numerology, Hebrew numerology, there's significance to 38 years. I'm not going to go into that. But he'd been in this situation for a very long time, and he had spent 38 years relying on others, relying on the benevolence of others. He's so used to his ongoing predicament that he could only think about long-shot cures. He had had no hope for cure. So all he could think about was some long-shot you know, cure that was forever just out of reach because he had no one to help him in. And this cure, it was just that. It was a long shot. Turns out, this is what the magical stirring of the waters has been. They found sets of pipes under this pool. And what scholars and archaeologists have said is that at one point during the day, for some reason, they would turn the pipes on and the pipes would flow, whether they're flushing out something in some part of the city or what, I don't know. But the pipes were like this, and it was going this way, sucking in this way, stirring of the waters. Turns out this whole pool of Bethesda, Bethesed, was a Greco-Roman invention. It was actually a shrine to the god Asclepius, Asclepius was the god of healing. And what's interesting is he had two daughters, hygiene and panacea. Isn't that interesting? I don't know how you actually say it in Greek. Hygiene, hygiene, something like that. But it's hygiene and panacea. 
It's where we get those, those words. So this Jewish man had spent 38 years of difficulty with no hope for getting cured. And what does he do? He turns to a pagan God for help. Pagan God, superstition for help. Now we could say that this man represents figuratively Israel. And we can say that this man, just like Israel, completely unable to really make it and survive on their own, hovering for years on the edge of idol worship, coming face to face with Jesus finally. And Jesus asks him the question, do you want to get well? Jesus listens. The man doesn't say yes. But Jesus cures him anyway. He tells him to get up, to pick up his mat, and to walk. Now notice, unlike last week in John chapter 9, at the pool of Siloam, Jesus does not tell this man to go wash himself in the pool of Beit Hesed. You know, Jesus is not going to give this man relief through the world's superstitions. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And when you hear the word walk, there's a deeper image here, always. Usually, it is this, it's not just an act of moving. Um, there's, there's this deeper image. It points to the way you live, living well, uh, like God intended. Remember Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. The word walk is halakha, and that is uh, how you live. It's, it's your way. And so for the first time in 38 years, this man picks up his mat, uses his legs, and walks. And even though it's apparent this man has no idea who Jesus really is, Jesus knows him. And suddenly this man obeys. He obeys the voice of Jesus. Interestingly, the word there is cured. It's not healed. It's cured. The same word, hygiene. Hygiene. Jesus gave this man, I believe, the ability to decide for himself now if he really does want to get well. Even though he's cured, doesn't mean he's well. So when Jesus encounters him again, where is he? He's in the temple. And Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. See, Jesus knows his people. He knows all of us. He knows our weakness. He knows what's keeping us immobile. He knows what's keeping us blind and paralyzed. And only he can give us legs. Only he can give us strength, direction, and the ability to walk. Okay, so flash forward to John chapter 10. Okay, go to John chapter 10. It's also in your app if you want to just press that little button there. Jesus is about to say something very bold here, and he's talking to his apostles, but he's mainly talking to the Pharisees and uh, other leaders who've come to listen. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, he says this, Very truly, 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 he says. When when you see that very truly, this is basically Jesus saying, Listen to this. This This is important. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. What do do thieves do? Thieves mainly just steal things. 
robbers. Robber is a more, in, it's more loaded. There's probably violence with a robber than there is a thief. Okay, so, so, so people who, who don't enter the pen by the gate are thieves and robbers. They want to steal and they want to harm you. Uh, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what, they were, what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, 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 I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says he is the gate for the sheep. Which means that people are sheep. We don't like to be called sheep. Being considered sheepish is not really on the top list of our cultural identifiers, right? We, it's, some, it's not something we, we, that we're proud of. It's not, you know, being timid and fearful and dependent is not something we want to brag about. We don't find too many people in these days and age with sheep tattoos kind of showing everyone, hey, look at, look at who I am. Because sheep are not independent. They're not self-reliant. They are timid, fearful, weak, and dependent. Did you hear that last word? They are dependent. Sheep are dependent, so they need a shepherd. Now, I'm going to talk more about the good shepherd next week. But remember that sheep are dependent because we need a shepherd. Sheep cannot survive on their own. There are rare cases when you see a sheep in the middle of the mountains in New Zealand somewhere having survived for five plus years, but that is not the norm. Sheep have to be watched. They have to be managed. And in, and in this day and age, whenever shepherds would, would take their sheep from place to place, they had to take defense very seriously. Sheep have a lot of predators. They have animals. They have man. Um, if you had a lot of sheep, you had to manage your trips and your defense very carefully. So what they would do, as Miss Elizabeth said a little earlier, is they would put their sheep into some sort of a sheepfold. Now, this is an actual uh, carving out of a, of, of a rock, and you see that they have placed some rocks in the front, and there's a literal entrance there they've just used the surroundings now, if you were out in the middle of the of the forest the woods wherever you were you'd find anything you could uh, sharp objects and you would you know make your own sheep pen this is what people even do even today they find whatever they can scrub brush and they just kind of make it into a, a round circle briars thorns whatever's uncomfortable for predators uh, the only entrance into these sheep folds is about three feet wide. A shepherd would usually sleep in this entrance and would literally act as the main defense between whatever was out and those poor defenseless things that were in. The shepherd was literally the door, the gate for the sheep. And it was a risky position. Because to thieves and robbers, the only thing between them and what they want is the shepherd. 
The shepherd who with a nightly responsibility says to everyone and anyone, the only way you'll get my sheep is over my dead body. So with this type of devotion and commitment, what in the world do these sheep have to fear? The shepherd is literally laying down his life for them each and every day and each and every night. Now to some of these sheep, it's just another evening and some of them might even grumble because they're not allowed to go out there or there and graze where they want. But to the shepherd, his sheep matter. They are his life. They're valuable. And these Pharisees that Jesus is talking to, they're sheep. In fact, in verse 6, it's funny, in verse 6 it says Jesus was talking to them and they had no idea what he's talking about. They're just looking at him. So he says it again. You know, these people have been wandering for so long. These leaders have been wandering for so long that they, they don't even recognize the voice of their shepherd anymore. They've been moving farther and farther away from God. Farther away from God's purpose for them, for their reason for even existing. And they've been inching closer and closer to diving headlong into the worldly waters of long shot cures and deceptive superstition. And Jesus comes and he tells them, I am standing between life and death for you. So how does the healing in John 5 relate to all of this? I'm sure you're wondering. If this man is separated from, if this man is representative of Israel, you need to realize that, that how he has found his way into this Greek place of worship is by pure desperation. This man is completely separated from what God wanted from him. He's separated from God's love, from his family, from his uh, connection. He's separated from that, you know, that fulfillment you get when you're working alongside others and you're contributing to society. He doesn't even have that. He's paralyzed. He's vulnerable. He's a sheep outside a pen, banging his head into some gate, not having any clue how to get back to where he's supposed to be. And when Jesus found him, he showed him how to no longer be separated. Jesus showed him the way home. And this man was also oppressed and dismissed by everyone. Was not even acknowledged or even noticed. And if you read uh, those little verses that I missed, you'll see that the first things that those, those Pharisees said to this man were, why are you carrying your mat? It's a Sabbath. For 38 years they've seen this man completely helpless. There's no joy. There's no excitement in their voice. It's just condemnation and judgment. This man was oppressed. He was dismissed because of his condition and his life was a constant fight for survival. He was on his own and Jesus saw him. He paid attention to him. He cured him. And then by doing so, he gave them the opportunity for a new life and a new community. And the first thing this man did was go back to the temple. This man was also empty and, and insignificant. He had no place or purpose in the world other than to sit and beg. Jesus cures him. And what does he do? He gives him strength. He gives him a place to belong and a, and a purpose. 
This is a man who, who needed to come to terms with his life. He needed to come to terms with his sin. And I want you to remember something very specifically. Sin may not have put him in this position, but it seems that it had kept him there. But Jesus, what did he do? He gave him a way out. And he gave him a way in. He showed him how to use his legs, how to use his arms. He showed him how to live, how to walk in the way. I mean, we were never meant to sit still. We were never meant to stay in the same place. We were never meant to be people who were held back by our sin. We were never meant to be useless. This man spent years and years just inside a gate for sheep, gazing into a pool that could never save him. Years spent surviving and existing is not life. And then finally, Jesus comes to him, cures him, telling him, I am the way. And then later he says, I am the door. I am the gate for the sheep. Through me, he says, is protection, is, is rest, is security. And within his family, his protection is life, full life. And it can only be found when we are willing to do what Jesus says. Jesus cured this man. He gave him what he had always been longing for, but ultimately... It was this man's choice of whether or not he was going to get up. He was going to pick up his mat and he was going to walk. And it is the exact same choice for you. It's the exact same choice for me. My question for you. Are you where you want to be? You know, we all struggle with those areas that hurt us. We all struggle with those, those, those things those people, those situations that seek to steal, to destroy us. And whether you struggle privately or publicly, my question to you is still exactly the same as Jesus is. Do you want to get well? Are you like this man? You really have no clue where to go or what to do. You don't know who to follow. And I know some authority figures and leaders in your life have completely let you down. They, have, they may have let you, le left you to save yourself. They may have just walked away from you. They may have shown you at some point that you weren't really important to them. The shepherds of Israel were exactly the same. Many people are going to let us down to the point where we stop and where we sit down and where we become spiritual invalids. But Jesus is here, y'all. He's standing right in front of you and he's telling you, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Pick up that thing that has kept you from standing up, from joining in, in this world and in his world and his community. You know, stop putting your faith in what the world is telling you is going to be good and healing for you. It won't and it never will. The only one that knows what's best for you and for your life, the only one that will keep you safe is your shepherd. And through him, you can come in 
and go out freely with safety and security and protection. Jesus is standing at the gate of life and death. And he's given you what you need to stand and what you need to walk. It's your choice. Do you know him? Because the house of God's mercy is forgiveness, it is grace, it is mercy, and it is life. And he has come to give us full life. How will you respond? Our praise team is going to come up and they're going to sing. And I want you to take this time in this song and just lift up your situation to God. Tell him who you are. Ask him what you want to ask him. But he's going to ask you as well, do you want to get well? Because there's new life through him. And it's your choice. Let's sing together.